We're in Exodus chapter 7, starting at verse 14. We'll get there in a sec, but if you have, uh, if, if you need a Bible, we have Bibles over here. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can just grab one of those on the way out. Um, so, uh, if you don't have a pen, just you guys can do the, like the neighbor's share care where you use the, your neighbor's pen. Um, we're going we're gonna to get into it. So, um, I was thinking about this all weekend, and it, I really feel like this captures kind of the passage that we're about to read in Exodus. And the question that I had for you guys this morning is, was, have you ever had a moment where you ignored something that was true? Because if that thing was true, you would have to change or you would have to do something painful. Have you ever had a moment where you've ignored something that was true? You've ignored advice that was true, maybe from a parent or a mentor. You've ignored a fact that was true because if it was true, you would be required to change or go through something painful. It could be as easy as like, you know, hey, go check if the, if the dog went to the bathroom in the backyard. And you're like, you're ignoring the truth that that probably happened and you're probably going to need to clean it up. Um, but you ignore it and then later your parents are like, actually, uh, why don't you clean up the dog poo? And, and you had just like, you had ignored the truth that it was probably a reality because you'd have to do something painful, which is go outside. For me, um, I've told some of you about this, but um, about three years ago, I started getting pain um, in like, uh, like upper molars of, of one of my, my teeth. And anyone in here despise the dentist, just hate the dentist. I hate the dentist. Also, dentists are great. They're wonderful. I don't hate them as a person, but I hate everything around it. I feel like, uh, like mouth pain and also foot pain. Like when you get like an ingrown toenail, also terrible. Two kind of worst annoying pains. Um, and I, I, I remember I had pain in my mouth, and I, um, it was a truth, and I knew that I probably had a cavity. But I did what most people do, and they ignore it, and they just eat chocolate on top of it, because that's going to help. And I actually, I met with a friend. We had, uh, we had lunch over here, and he was saying that his teeth got so bad, because he ignored it for so long, that um, he went into the dentist, and they said that if he hadn't come in, the infection would have gotten so bad that he would have died, right? And I was in there having lunch with him, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I also have something on with my teeth, and I'm going to die. And I started freaking out, and I was talking to people, and like, I was just getting super anxious because I thought I was going to die um, from this, this, this tooth thing. And then I was like, hey, you know what, before backpacking, I need, to, I need to go in. I need to figure this out. So I go in, and then like $3,000 later, after like root canal, two things, they put a cap on it and left it open for a while because that's a good idea. And then you had to go back to another thing. Um, and I, it was just like the worst experience. And I, if I had addressed it at first... It would, it would not have been as, as much pain. It wouldn't be as big of a deal. Um, but I ignored the truth because the truth was going to require me to go into the dentist, sit in one of those chairs, which they might as well just strap you down. It's like that scary of an experience. Um, and also, it wasn't that bad. It was fine. I made it through, guys. Woo! Woo! Um, yeah. Thanks. Also, I have another cavity. Got to go back. <laughs> They're like, we're going to deal with the worst thing first. Um, so... Um, but that, that, that's what we're talking about today. Have you ever ignored something that was true because it was going to be an inconvenience for you? Um, and this is what Pharaoh is doing. Pharaoh is ignoring the blatant truth in front of him. Um, and so that's what we see in the, the, the ten plagues. If you've ever seen Prince of Egypt or if you saw that Egypt um, series, this is the crazy cool part that as a kid you're like, yeah, the Bible's cool. Because um, God sends plagues. And if you're like me, I used to think that he sent the plagues in order to free the Hebrews. 
Oh, he sent the plagues so that Pharaoh would let them go. But actually, he, he doesn't send the plagues to free them. He sends the plagues to prove a point and to answer a question. And that question is from Pharaoh. When Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know, know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. The plagues are a demonstration of who God is and that God is over all these tiny, there's like an Egyptian pantheon of gods. If, um, actually, Egypt back then is very similar to America today. Um, it's like in Egypt, it's okay, to, like, it's, it's okay to worship gods. It's okay to have different gods. It was what's called a pluralistic society. So, like, it's okay if Luke worships a god. It's okay if David has a different god. You know, it's okay um, if Emily has another god. All your gods are great. They're like, you know, we, we need a ton of gods because we've got to pray for, like, childbirthing. We've got to pray for crops. We've got to pray for rain. We've got to have a lot of gods to cover it all. Um, and so there was this pantheon of gods. And so even in our culture today, it's okay to worship God. Most people think that America is like, oh, it's this big atheistic country. Atheists are actually 3.7%. 3.7% of the country are people who don't believe in God. Um, very small, very loud minority, but very small. Most people think it's okay to worship God. Here's where they get frustrated. When you start to say that my God is better than your God. They start to get anxious when you say that one belief system is better than another. Right? So it's okay to have your own personal religion, and you can keep it in your house, and you can keep it with your own family, but the moment that you say that this is really true and these other things aren't as true, that's where people get frustrated. And that's when Pharaoh starts to freak out because the God of the Hebrews, he's saying, I'm not just another little God that you can make a little like wooden thing to and sit on your mantle. I'm not another God in the pantheon. I am over and above and in control. And actually, those aren't even real gods. Those are false. They're fake, and I'm the one who's in control. And... um. The God who was supposed to be in charge of all gods was the God of Ra. Does anyone know who the representative of Ra was? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Ra, the sun god. And his, that was awesome, by the way. That's why she got into college. Um, so the, the God of Ra was, was, um, was the sun god, was supposed to be the representative of Ra on earth was Pharaoh. And so if, if, if things are happening with the crops, if they're failing, if the childbirth rate is going down, if there's, if there's like floods, if there's droughts, you know, whose fault is it ultimately? It is Pharaoh's. So when these plagues happen, it's God saying, oh, Pharaoh, what are you going to do? I thought you were in control. I thought you were Ra. I thought you were in charge. These plagues are not to free them. The plagues are a statement of who God is. And so the plagues go in sets of three. And so we're going to do the first three. Uh, and the first one happens in Exodus 7, verses 14 through 21. So if you got your Bible, turn there. Um, and I'm going to read it to you if you don't. Exodus 7. Verse, starting in verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the water. Wait on the bank of the Nile to meet him. Which is kind of crazy. The place that, that God is telling Moses to go meet him is the place where Moses should have been murdered. Right? We, we, that wasn't one of the questions. Like, why was Moses put in the river? Because they were throwing babies in this river to kill them. Moses is about to meet Pharaoh at the spot that he should have been slaughtered, which is wild. Um, so he says, go meet him at the Nile and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to you. Let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. But until now, you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this, you will know that I am the Lord. Okay, so why is he doing it? So you'll know he's the Lord. 
um, while with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die and the river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink water. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood, with every, blood was everywhere in Egypt, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile and all the water was changed into blood. The fish in the Nile died. The river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. Wild. Um, the first thing I want you to do, just so um, you can keep track, is there's a little circle next to that first plague. I want you to draw whatever you think helps re for you represent the Nile, the Nile River turning into blood. You can just draw a little thing right in that circle right there. Some of you are not super great at art. That's okay. But when you draw things next to notes, it actually helps you retain what those things are. It's kind of interesting. This is kind of a, a gross fact, but I will share it with you because uh, I read it in a commentary, and I didn't write it down, but sometimes things just blurt out here. Um, I was reading a commentary, and at the end of the 10 plagues, the, the Hebrews actually are birthed into a free new nation. That's when they become free. And it's like they're being birthed. And so it's no coincidence that the first plague involves water and blood. So if you know anything about pregnancy, you'll get kind of why that's like breaking water, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, so when you think about the plagues like that, you think of it as like, um, like uh, pregnancy. You think about it as like pain, as contractions, giving birth into this new nation. So that's kind of a, a fun fact. Okay, so Moses... Um, Moses and Aaron caused this to happen to the Nile. And you might be like, did the Nile literally turn into blood? Was there like an algae bloom that happened? Was there like the weird red sediment in the water? And like, which actually they have historical records of like those types of things happening in the Nile to turn it red. But the point is not, and this, you'll see this again and again in the Bible, the point is not how it happened. The point is why it happened. It's not, how did the water turn? Like what, what's specific? Let's get into the science around it. That's cool and we can think about that. But the importance is why, that, why it actually happened. Um, and it happened to, again, say, dude, this God is bigger than these little gods. The first little God is right here. His name is Happy. Everyone say Happy. Happy. Uh, and you can write Happy. It's H-A-P-I. Uh, happy is the Nile goddess in charge of all the sustenance and the food. Um, and um, basically, like, the whole, all of Egypt was centered around this Nile. It was the center of their, like, their... Um, their whole economic system came from the Nile. Yes, you can laugh. Okay. Um, so they put their hope in happy. They worshipped happy because happy kept them happy. and fulfilled. And in one instant, God is saying what you thought was stable, what you thought was going to be enough, what you thought would never dry or run out, in an instant, it can be taken away because I'm in charge of it. He's exposing the lie that those things will ultimately fulfill. He's exposing those things. Um, then in chapter, or sorry, uh, we're still in chapter 7. Go to verse 22. But there's these magicians, which actually, when you hear the word magician, it's actually like, these are really smart intellectuals. It's not like David Copperfield, you know, um, out there, do-do-do, right? Um, no, these aren't just card tricks. These are smart people. They're like the scientists of the day. The magicians were out. Um, also, the magicians are going to keep repeating, like, the first three plagues. They're able to replicate what God did, but they just make it worse. 
right? They're not able to undo the blood. They're not able to undo the next one, which is the frogs. They just add more blood, add more frogs. It's like, dude, come on, guys. It's not super helpful. Um, okay, the, Egyptian, the magicians did the same things by their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Instead, he turned and went into his palace. He goes and pouts and did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they could not drink the water of the river. I love this. Instead of saying, you know what? Actually, this God, he is actually the one we should be worshiping. When they're confronted with the truth, what do they do? Let's just go five feet over here and let's try to dig and we'll get water over here. Like, it's crazy when there, there are moments in our life when we're confronted with the fact that this is not really going to bring you happiness. This is not really going to pan out in a way that you're going to be fulfilled. Often what we do is we just say, okay, well, and then we just double down and start digging in the same way to the left. Uh, and that's what they do. Okay, so we got the, the plague number two, which is the plague of frogs, um, which is interesting because it's illegal. It was illegal in Egypt to step on frogs. And now there's... Hundreds of thousands of them everywhere. So you're playing like the hot lava game the whole time. Um, so right next to the circle, draw something that represents a plague of frogs. And I'm going to read you this out loud. We're in chapter 8. Yeah, whatever you want. Chapter 8, verse 1 through 6. Seven days after the Lord struck the Nile, the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will plague your whole country with frogs. The Nile will teem with frogs, frogs and blood. Okay, um, they will come up into your palace, into your bedroom, into the house of your officials and on your people and into your ovens <laughs> and, and kneading troughs. The frogs will go up on you. I love this. This is a metaphor for what sin does in our life, right? It's like it starts in one area. Sin starts in one area and like a disease, it spreads. Bad ideas and bad decisions, they spread among friends, they spread in your life, they end up in your, your, your bedroom, they end up in your thoughts, they end up at school, they end up everywhere. And so the frogs are taking over, and the frog god of Egypt is Jeb. G-E-B. Is the god of the earth. Oh, sorry, that, sorry, hold on, pause. I skipped my notes, it's not Jeb, it's Haket. H-E-K-E-T. But if now that you got Jeb, that's number three, because I know you can't hold down without putting it down. Uh, so Haket, H-E-K-E-T, Haket. And this is Haket. Just uh, anyone, if you dress up like Haket for the murder mystery, I will take you out to lunch, because um, that would be awesome. Half frog, half man, really gross. So Haket is the god of of business and success. Um, Haket is the god of fruitfulness. Um, and so um, in verse 7, again, the magicians try to replicate this. They're able to do it. They make things worse again. Thanks, Egyptians. Thanks, magicians. You guys are the worst. Um, and um, and, um, and so, so we have this uh, god... Um, this, this next god in, in, uh, that, that, that's challenged in Plague 3 is Jeb, which I just mentioned. So we're, um, we're in chapter 8, verse 16, if you guys want to go there. Um, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. This is gross. 
If you've ever been in the wilderness, you're going to feel this right now. Okay? And throughout the land of Egypt, the dust, guys, the dust, a lot of dust in Egypt. If you've seen pictures, lots of dust. The dust turns into gnats. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to get. Um, when you think of Egypt, when you think of Egypt, you think of, like, people, like, laying, laying down, right, like, eating grapes and being served, and you think of comfort. You can't be comfortable when there's gnats. Like, I was backpacking this last year, and there were so many gnats. So, I mean, a lot of you guys were, were um, backpacking. A lot of gnats, a lot of mosquitoes, and we would be worshiping on Sunset Rock, and then you would see the gnats coming in like Satan had sent them to go destroy our time of worship. And they came in, and you could see them from a distance. And as I walked back, I ate three gnats, right? And then there's so many mosquitoes that you're, like, trying to count who's the mosquito winner of the week. And if you win the most mosquitoes, you've actually lost, and you're sad. And so this is what's happening. You have no comfort. And so what, what, what happens, what, what's happening? God is showing that what you thought was comfort in the end has an expiration date. It's like that milk you put in the fridge. It might... Be comfortable for a moment. It might look good for a moment, but it's like stapling like, a, like, a, like an apple onto a tree. It's like, oh, that looks like it's alive. But your, your, our illusion of comfort might look good for a moment. I was uh, listening to this thing with, with uh, Tom Brady, um, who's the greatest of all time. And uh, Tom Brady, it was after he had won, I think it was two Super Bowls ago, um, or three. Anyways, he was, he was doing this interview, and he was sitting... Um, he was sitting in his hotel room, and I'm sure his beautiful, like, model wife is about to walk out. Um, Tom Brady has everything. He could have anything he wants. Anything. He has more money than probably all of your parents put together. Tom Brady has, could have anything in an instant, and he's sitting on his bed in the hotel room. Winner of, is it five Super Bowls? Six? Oh, he beat Kobe. Okay. Um, Kobe has five rings. Okay. Um, he sits there and he says, in this interview, he says, is this it? Is this all that there is? There's got to be more than this. He has everything. And, and, and you could also, I was reading some of, uh, some of Steve Jobs, um, like, he had like this, this guy who was like kind of tracking everything that he was saying as he was, um, as he was battling with cancer. Like, just go read that. You've got a billionaire right there and how he talks about how everything that I had ends up not being able to provide comfort in those moments where you're faced with death. Like, like this is God saying to the Egyptians, your comfort is an illusion. Your success is an illusion. Like the, 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 the fruitfulness and like the, the happiness that you get, it's all an illusion and it all can be taken away because the happiness, the success, and the comfort that you're trying to get from these other gods, it really can only be given and found in me. The comfort that your soul longs for can only be given by the creator of your soul. And so here's what's awesome. Whenever you feel uncomfortable and, or whenever you, ha- you put your hope in something, you're like, this is going to make me happy. Or whenever you experience disappointment, This is actually God's good grace to you to allow you to experience that. Because in that moment, you can experience, you know what? This isn't ultimately going to give me comfort. This didn't pan out. And in that moment, you can see that your heart was created for something else that you can find satisfaction in. It's not created in these things. Are you just tracking with this? Like the story of the Egyptians is our story. Their culture is our culture. We're finding hope and satisfaction and fulfillment in all of these other gods. It might not look like little wooden idols that you can identify, which actually makes them more dangerous. 
There are things that we value that we think are going to make us happy. And at the end of the day, they have an expiration date. And so we have two responses as we close out. We can harden our heart like Pharaoh does. I know that at first God hardens Pharaoh's heart, and if you were in the sermon today, you can go back and listen. Doug talked about that. Um, but his heart is hardened over and over again. Whenever you're confronted with the truth, this is true. Your way and your decisions and what you think is going to pan out sucks, and it's not going to fulfill you. Whenever you're hit with that, you got two options. One, you can harden your heart and double down on what wasn't working, like Pharaoh. You can ignore the facts that you're not a good God. Like, like, we're not good gods. We actually, we're terrible at being God and bringing us comfort and fulfillment. You can double down or you can soften your heart. Your heart can be softened. And um, there's a cool um, illustration of this. Uh, at my cabin in Crestline, there's a hike that we go on. And at the end of the hike, you reach this place that for years, um, probably hundreds of years, there's been water that's been pouring into this river. Um, and it was just stone. Um, this, this, this water had been pouring on stone. But then when you go and you reach it, because the water has been hitting the stone over years and years, the cold water that, that kind of moved things away, that reordered things in the rock, now it looks like this. And it's called Heart Rock, and it's super cool and romantic if you want to go on a hiking crest line. Um, but over time, God uses and God works in a way that can soften our hearts from being hearts of stone. Ezekiel 36, 26 says that God can give us a new heart, not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh. And so we have two options. We can let God do that work in us and let him soften our heart. And let him say, you know what, all the gods, all those little things I've been worshiping, all the things that I thought were going to bring me happiness and fulfillment, those things aren't going to pan out. And it's because I need to put my confidence and trust in you. Or we can harden them. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, we just want to be able to talk about that briefly and pray together. Uh, I just want to say, put this scripture up. God says that he will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Um, there are some people in this room where it's not that you, God needs to soften your heart. God needs to give you a new heart. He, there's, there needs to be a heart transplant in your life because you're dead spiritually. And he wants to make you alive. And if that's you, um, tell your leader. Or actually, before you leave, if, if you feel like your heart is hard just to God and to this whole thing, and you're, you have all these defense mechanisms like trying to like ignore the truth and trying to step out of the truth and like you know that these are true for a second but you you're, you're like the magicians and you're just trying to recreate and find ways to justify your actions if you're in that place where you feel like your heart is hard we would love to pray for you uh, we love to do that um and man i just kept going went long um actually I, here's what i want to do i want to i want to invite everyone here to, to close your eyes and we're not going to do like a weird thing where we I don't know, play heads up, seven up. Um, but I, I just want to say, I, I kind of give you two things there. The first thing was, um, you might feel like right now your heart is just kind of hard, where you feel like you're not following God and you're not obeying him and you're kind of justifying your actions and you, and you know that you want your heart to be soft soft and receptive to, um, to God. If that's, if that's, that's one option. And there's another option too, where you feel like, you know what, you need a new heart and a new start because your heart, you just feel like it's dead and cold. And you want him to give you something new. Um, and so everyone keep your eyes closed. Um, we're just going to do this. If you're a leader, just open your eyes. Um, but all students, keep your, keep your heads down. If you want um, a leader to, to
to pray for you, or if you feel like you're in that place where your heart is hard, or you want a new heart, um, I just want to invite you to just kind of put your hand up a little bit just so they can see you, so they know who that they can follow up with. Um, yeah, you can just put your, yeah, you guys can keep putting your hands up um, if you feel like you're at that place where you just feel like, you know, I haven't been open, and I want more than where I've been. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You can put your hands down. Let me just pray for you. God, we, we thank you that your grace meets us where we are. That, that you don't give up on us just because we have hardened our heart and turned away from you. That, that you keep pursuing us. But I pray that um, for a lot of us, we've heard a word today and we've heard that, that we need to stop hardening our heart from you and stop ignoring the truth that you have. Um, and it is a dangerous path that we'll be on if we keep hardening our heart from you. Because there's a point where you just, you just say, okay. And you, and you just, you let us make our own decisions and you let us, you let us pursue that. Um, so I pray that, that we'd be able to respond, to soften our hearts, um, to let you soften our hearts, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen.